Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Best and Worst of the Weekend. We are counting your ballots. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe since we were last together on Friday? And what made it that? What was the worst thing you saw and what made it that? The Duke Blue Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes are getting worst of the weekend votes because both have been losing a lot lately. Certainly more than they were earlier this year. Devils have lost three of four, all to unranked opponents as they host NC State tonight and try to avoid a sweep at the hands of the Wolfpack. The Canes have lost four out of five as they continue a two-week-long six-game road trip. They are off until at Philadelphia on Thursday. I split down the similarities and differences or broke them down a little bit earlier. I will give you more on my best and worst of the weekend after we come back to your calls. What was the best thing you saw and why? What was the worst thing you saw and why? A brand new AP college basketball top 25 just dropped, by the way. The top four, if you're looking ahead to number one seeds and such things, Kansas, Gonzaga, Dayton, Baylor, San Diego State is fifth in the new AP poll. Florida State is seventh. So remember, they they lost to the Clemson Tigers as the number six ranked team in the country. They drop only one spot. Why? Because half the teams in the top 25 are losing, along with the Seminoles. Brad Brownell, again, is going to join us in less than 10 minutes here on the David Glenn Show. Louisville is at number 10. They've had some struggles lately, but won this weekend. Duke drops to number 12 after losing three out of four, including uh, at UVA this weekend, and the Cavaliers enter the top 25 at number 22. No mere coincidence that the same four ACC teams that are in the top 25 as we speak are those that know they'll be in the NCAA tournament regardless of what happens in Greensboro at the ACC tournament. Everybody else better think in terms of grabbing the automatic bid. The Seminoles, the Cardinals, the Devils, and the Cavs know they'll get at-large bids if they need them. NC State, of course, among the other 11, is closest to at-large territory, but the pack has work to do. Could put themselves over the top, probably, with a sweep of Duke. So we'll see tonight, 7 o'clock ESPN, if the pack can go, can take that next huge step probably beating wake this weekend is not going to do it so you'd have to head to greensboro if you don't beat duke tonight you'd head to greensboro thinking that you need to do more damage there while rooting against other teams near you on that bubble bill and gardner has the wolf pack on his mind but for different reasons you can chime in with your best or worst of the weekend by dialing 1-800-849-2761 bill welcome to the david glenn show go right ahead thanks david Sure, man. Love the show. Thank you. Uh, my best of the weekend is the NC State baseball team, which uh, went to Minneapolis and won a, a three-game round-robin tournament with Big Ten schools. True. North Carolina Duke also went, and uh, State went 3-0, and and they're now 11-0 and on the season. And by the way, I think the heels against that Big Ten competition were 1-2, and two. The Devils were 2-1, and one, and as Bill said, the Pack was the only one to go up there. It was, a, what is it, TD Bank Stadium up there in Minneapolis? So a really cool setting. That's a pretty neat place for college ballplayers to get to play. Elliott Avent's team was the only one from our backyard to go undefeated. And as Bill said, they're not only undefeated on the weekend, they're undefeated on the season. Elliott Avent's squad 11-0. and 0. Uh, one of their pitchers had like a dominating, was it like 15 strikeout victory this weekend? I love pitchers, man. Darren Vaught, you're a baseball guy. We had a Duke pitcher 
a week or so ago throw a perfect game. Bryce Jarvis, right. Bryce Jarvis of the Blue Devils. And then we had one of the Wolfpack's newcomers. I don't remember seeing him much last year, so he's either a freshman or just new to the rotation. Dude, I was a pitcher. 15, the last time I had 15 strikeouts in a game, I was probably 11. Like, it gets harder as you get older. And he did that against uh, Big Ten competition. Very well done. Elliott A. Vents group as a whole. And, of course, star players left and right individually. Gary and Wilson wants to chime in on college basketball and another sport. I mentioned that Major League Soccer started its regular season this weekend. Nashville and Miami both made their MLS debuts. One year from now, the state of North Carolina will finally join Major League Soccer. The only major league we'll be missing is Major League Baseball. We have the NFL, we have the NBA, we have the NHL, we have NASCAR, of course, calls the Charlotte area home. We have majors in the golf world. We have highest level almost everything. We will add Major League Soccer with an expansion franchise, thanks to David Tepper of the Carolina Panthers, a year from now. Meanwhile, did you know, Darren, you told me you gave me the Spanish language translation uh, of El Clasico. Remember on Friday, I was very the, proud of the you. The classic, of course. The classic, even I knew that <laughs> as a guy who studied French for a while. Real Madrid beat Barcelona. They are two of, I would argue, the top half a dozen soccer clubs in the entire world. Did you know that Real Madrid and Barcelona have like one of those weird numerical things going like the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils? Yeah, I've seen this. So if you go back over X number of games with the Heels and the Devils, who have their round two, remember, this coming weekend, it's just almost down to the point equal, and it's the same number of wins on both sides. So Real Madrid and Barcelona, the two best clubs in La Liga, Spain's top-level pro league, it is now 73 wins for Real Madrid and 72 wins for Barcelona in their last 145 matches against each other. I believe Barca, which is what the kids like to call them, was leading La Liga and much of Europe for that matter. And then Real's win catapulted them past Lionel Messi and friends. So a big three-point win in La Liga for Real, as the kids call them. And Gary has soccer and college basketball on his mind. 1-800-849-2761. He has a different piece of history on his mind. Gary, welcome to Best and Worst of the Weekend. Go right ahead. Thank you, David. My best of the weekend is the Star Brothers. Is Melly a star of Watford for scoring two goals in Watford's upset 3-0 win over Liverpool in the English EPL, breaking a 44-match unbeaten streak for Liverpool that dated back to January of last year. And then Olivier star not really the brother of the other guy, but same last Well played. Wake Forest for a 30-17 and 17 performance yeah. in the win against Notre Dame.
things. Yeah, well put, man. Saar has been a double-double machine lately. Junior big man, another success story player development-wise for Danny Manning. John Collins, remember, was in Winston-Salem for a while before jumping into the NBA as a first-round pick. I don't think Olivier Saar is viewed quite the same way, but he's definitely a pro prospect. 30-17 and 17 against John Mooney and Notre Dame as the Irish fall by the wayside and as the Deeks get their second straight victory. Remember, they beat Duke in Winston-Salem last week as well. And the Watford win over Liverpool, I believe that was the second longest unbeaten streak in the history of the English Premier League. So there was one example from almost 20 years ago where a team went through an entire EPL season without being beaten. Now, Liverpool did not do that. They're going to win the EPL this year. But their unbeaten streak went all the way back, as Gary said, more than a calendar year, January of 2019. They do fall to Watford. I did not know the Saar brothers, wink, wink, coincidence there. But it was 3 nothing. Watford's like a bottom half of the league team. Liverpool had not lost, and the season is not quite over, but what, there's only, I don't know, six to ten matches left so they've won. That's not a tournament-style championship in the English Premier League. It's what you do in the regular season. So Liverpool has captured another title, and they do have their first loss after a 44-match unbeaten streak, an unbelievable story uh, in the international soccer world. Real Madrid and Watford, along with the debut of the MLS regular season, among the best of the weekend for fans of that particular sport. Brad Brownell is in his 10th year as the head coach of the Clemson Tigers. He's the only coach in the country that can say, yeah, we beat top 10 Duke and top 10 Louisville, and on Saturday, top 10 Florida State. There was even an ESPN headline this weekend welcoming the Clemson Tigers to the NCAA tournament bubble conversation. There are a couple guys we know well in these parts that are part of that Tigers success story. The man who led Clemson basketball to one of the best seasons in school history just two years ago. 25 wins, Sweet 16, third place in the ACC. Brad Brownell coming off a best of the weekend victory over number six Florida State at Little John. He joins us next on the David Glenn Show. I believe it is the NBA's turn in the line dance. And I don't think they can dance. I don't think they can dance as well as DG dances. And I'm only a three or a four. The David Glenn Show, weekdays at noon. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Best and Worst of the Weekend. We'll jump back to your phone calls in just a little bit, but our next guest is actually one of the best of the weekend, as voted by you, not just in the ACC, but nationally. His body of work on the season now includes three victories over top seven ranked opponents, Duke and Louisville, and then this weekend it was the Florida State Seminoles. We are speaking, of course, of Brad Brownell, the 10th-year head coach of the Clemson Tigers. Coach, welcome back to the David Glenn Show, and congratulations, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, sun's shining pretty bright here this weekend. Yeah, I'll great, bet you. Great, great weekend for the Tigers, not just basketball. We had a good weekend in other sports, baseball, softball, you name it. So. Well, I know you are a multi-sport kind of renaissance man guy. Tell us, when you <laughs> win a big game for, at Little John in your backyard – 
Do you ever get to run out and celebrate with the students? Because around here, man, I saw I saw Danny Manning of Wake actually try to throw toilet paper over a tree at midnight, and Kevin Keats was uh, lighting the bell at NC State. Well, that's that sounds like uh, some high praise there. Those guys are in fast company. I I got to be careful. My two daughters are in school here. I don't know that I want to be out with my two daughters at night like that. You know what I mean? Like I, they, they don't want their dad out there. I can tell you that's for sure. Hey, before we dive into the details of your success story, as of course everybody around here is excited about this last week of the regular season. We're all headed to Greensboro now that the ACC tournament is back here in North Carolina. Uh, we'll see you there next week. Broadly speaking, when you see a weekend where you guys knock off the Seminoles, but, Coach, there were 12 top 25 teams that lost this weekend, including FSU and Duke, et cetera. Do you just say, hey, man, that's college basketball, or is there something different about this year in college basketball? Uh, I, I think in this year, I, I think mostly the answer is it's college basketball. Yeah. I, I do think this year they're probably – maybe less marquee teams, uh, best of the best that are that are clearly different. Obviously, last year in the ACC with us having three number one seeds, you know, we, our team was on the bubble and didn't get in last year, and people talked about us not having enough quad one wins, and I kept telling everybody, like, they weren't – we didn't have quad one games. We had, like, super quad games. <laughs> right. And there's a difference between – somebody in the top three, three, four, five, and somebody who's 27, 28, 29 uh, in an RPI or something of that nature. And so uh, I, I just think there's a lot of parity in college basketball. There's not a, a tremendous amount of difference in a lot of the talent. And I think the season is long. I, I think, you know, we, we start practice now in September and trying to have your guys ready to play at, at a high level 30 times, 31 times. 35 times if you're counting ACC tournament and things of that nature and NCAA tournaments, it's challenging. It's really hard to, to expect these these young men that are going to be able to do that. And so there are times you catch somebody when they're not quite ready and, and you've got a full house and you're rocking and rolling and, you know, that's going to lend itself to helping for upsets. Uh, so I think it's a it's a culmination of a lot of factors. Brad Brownell is with us on Twitter. He's at Coach Brownell. The Tigers upset number six Florida State, 70-69 to at Little John. They're now 15-13. They're 9-9 nine and nine in the ACC. And folks should remember, they were picked in the bottom third of the ACC by the media, 11th, I believe. They're actually tied for fifth as we enter this final stretch of the regular season, the Tigers, for example, at Virginia Tech Wednesday, and then they host Georgia Tech in a rare Friday night game. Coach, you mentioned last year's bubble. I saw a headline this weekend at ESPN.com that says, welcome Clemson to the NCAA tournament <laughs> bubble here in 2020. Do you view it that way? Uh, sure. <laughs> you know, it, it's, been, it's been different. We, we're a team that's drastically different than we were in November and December. We we had seven new players. We've had a lot of injuries, you know, just rhythm and timing of our team, you know, figuring out a better way to help our guys play. Uh, you know, it's been, it's just been a journey and uh, we've kind of stuck with it. We've gotten better. We've gotten more experience. We've gotten a little bit healthier. And so we're better now. And, and, you know, the unfortunate thing is, Every game counts about the same, so it doesn't really matter. I think that's what's hurting our league a little bit. A lot of a lot of teams in our league were injured or young, 
this season, and so we probably didn't perform in the non-conference quite as well as a league. But I think if you try to play us now with people being, you know, a little bit fresher, a little bit more healthy, a little bit more experienced seasoned with all the young players we have in our league, our teams are clearly better, and, and many, many teams in our league could go to the NCAA tournament and win two games and advance to a Sweet 16. Now, I don't know that we're going to get that opportunity, but, uh, you know, there's a few of us that are still have a, an outside chance that are fighting like crazy to get it. It has been since 1980. Coach, I wasn't even covering the league in 1980 since Clemson <laughs> put up three wins over top seven opponents. Uh, that's a long, long time ago. Duke, Louisville, and Florida State all were visiting Little John when y'all beat them, including, of course, the Seminoles this weekend. What is it about being at home or Little John or Tiger fans or anything, any other common denominator uh, that you can think of? Because, man, those are just three. As you said, they're not just quad one wins, man. They're supercharged quad one wins. Yeah. You know, I wish I had the answer, David. Uh, maybe it, maybe it was let the assistant coaches think oh, I let them coach those games and I coach <laughs> most of the other ones. Uh, <laughs> as much as anything, I think the environment really helps helps give confidence to our players. And uh, you know, those games are all been sellouts, and you know, we get off to good starts, and it energizes our team, it energizes our fan base, and and Little John's a tough place uh, when it's full. It's a hard place to play, and. Uh, you know, it gives confidence to some guys that maybe that are young players that are trying to kind of get over the hump in terms of confidence. And, you know, so they play a little bit more uh, poised and they play with a little more swagger and they're able to make a couple more plays a game. And a lot of these games, that's what it comes down to is just one or two stops, one or two made shots. And uh, we've been fortunate to execute pretty well down the stretch and make some big shots in, in some of these games and walk away with some, some good wins. I know you didn't grow up here in North Carolina, but this very popular tournament will be back here. I know your mind is on your next two games, so um, just if you can, give me a sense of since you were successful for four years at UNC Wilmington and you now know the ACC culture mm -hmm. so well, is it a good thing that uh, the big this big tournament is back in North Carolina where it's often been and where it's very well supported? Or remind us, are you in favor of the rotation, even as you might be happy that it's back in North Carolina? Where do you stand on all that? Uh, I would prefer it to be in North Carolina. Uh, you know, I, I wish it would be in Charlotte or Greensboro um, on a consistent basis. I, I don't mind occasionally going somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, but I, I prefer it to be in the heart of the league. I think, you know, obviously attendance is strong. Um, just the pageantry, the the passion that comes with it, the tradition. I, I'm I'm probably a little more old school that way. Uh, so I, I, I love the tournament being in North Carolina and uh, certainly wish it was there, you know, as regularly as we could do it. But I understand that the idea of taking it to D.C. occasionally or to New York and, and all those things. But uh, I, I prefer I, I prefer it in the Carolinas. Brad Brownell is with us. He took the Seahawks of UNC Wilmington to a couple NCAA tournaments. He took Wright State there a couple years ago. He had one of the best seasons in the history of Clemson basketball, a Sweet 16 uh, team, along with a third-place finish in a league that is often the toughest in America. John Newman III happens to be from our backyard. Greensboro Day School is where you and your staff uh, recruited him from. He's only a sophomore. 
And I think he's an example of what you were describing earlier, of just being a different player in a different team here in uh, early March than you guys were a couple months ago. Huge game in your win over Florida State this weekend. Uh, guy's still a young player that probably has an even brighter future in front of him, but what can you tell us about uh, the development of a guy from here in our backyard who uh, obviously will have a homecoming of sorts next week in the triad? Yeah, we love John. He's he's uh, he's a phenomenal kid. Uh, he's a tremendously talented player, but um, he's an even better person, a good student, great teammate, hard worker. Uh, I mean, you just you want kids like that to ha to have the success that he's having here. Uh, and he's the kind of guy that we've talked about. That uh, to be honest with you, John played about seven or eight minutes a game as a freshman for us last year, and oftentimes didn't play in meaningful minutes of certain games. And so he's had to grow. He's been a starter this year that has really grown uh, as a player. I think when his confidence is at a high level uh, and he's made a couple shots, he's he's extremely talented. He probably doesn't realize how good he can be. And, uh, you know, he's really worked hard, and we've worked hard with him to kind of develop some of his offensive skills. Uh, but there have been flashes where he shows that he's as talented as most guys. He can get to the rim. He can make a three. Uh, tremendous athlete. And, uh he just needs a little more confidence and experience, and uh, we're super excited about him, happy that he's here. Uh, he's a great representative for Clemson. This may be something that I recall better than you do because you do a lot of media, but when we sat down with you, we always look forward to our face-to-face -face, uh, meetings from time to time. In the preseason, I said, Coach, man, there are years where I think the sky is the limit for your Clemson basketball Tigers. And, and this is not one of those years. Like I remember I, you saying Do that. you? I, and, and you know me, man. I, I think have the kind of relationship where you can speak frankly with me. Well, and I respect that because you do the same with us. And I think you know how genuine I am when I make these statements. I yeah. think I said to you, I hope I'm wrong, Coach. And my wife will tell you, I don't like being wrong. So uh, what has gone right? Because you not only the John Newman story, uh, but we earlier this year when you joined us talked about Amir Sims as an all-ACC candidate. Uh, and your freshman point guard, Al Amir Dawes, he's kind of taken his lumps. He's gone through some growing pains. But when you needed a coast-to-coast -coast bucket to beat, like, the tallest, most athletic defensive team in the country, there he is helping you get the win this weekend at Little John. Ha you know, are you, have your guys surprised you, or did you see a lot of this way back in the preseason? You know what's interesting is I really felt like we could be a pretty good team, um, but that was even in the summer, you know, before Clyde Trapp and Jonathan Bear both tore their ACL. Right. Uh, and then when that happened, leading into the season, I was, a, you know, a little more concerned. Um, obviously, we won a gold medal at the World University Games, so we got some experience and, and won some close games. And so I kind of got to know our guys a little bit and the heart that they, they show and and like Alamir Dawes is just a courageous young player. Um, now he's still learning how to play the position. He's learning how to make, make all the right reads. And there were some, some losses that we have this year where late in games, he didn't make the right reads, but he also showed it against an incredibly talented Florida state team that he can make a lot of plays. And he was outstanding. Well, be, well before the last shot that he made to win the game, he made some big time plays throughout the game to give us a chance. So, you know, I was optimistic. I knew Amir was going to take a big step. We we knew that his role would change, and he's going to have the ball in his hands more, and he's ready for that. Um, but it's been it's been a process. Uh, obviously, we've had guys that have had to kind of learn how it is that we want to play, and we've had some ups and downs. 
but this team has continued to just kind of hang in there. Obviously, we talk a lot about grit here at Clemson, and I think our guys have shown that. We've got four or five come-from-behind wins. I think four of them are double-figure deficits. So they really just kind of competed, and you know, we, we thought we had some some good players that are just young, and, and we needed experience and time together. And to be honest with you, David, we've done a better job coaching them through the course of the year we, than we were probably doing at the beginning of the year. We've helped them by giving them some different things on offense to make it a little bit easier for them and simplify some things. And, and then the kids have just gained some confidence by playing well. You're a hell of a coach, dude. I just mean that so sincerely. You are really, really good. You squeeze a lot of juice out of every orange, pun intended. Uh, He's Brad Brown now on Twitter at Coach Brown now, 10th year head coach of the Clemson Tigers. Have fun with the bubble, and uh, we'll see you in Greensboro next week. You were a best of the weekend nominee, obviously, you, your staff, and your guys. So uh, it was a shot heard around the ACC at the very least. Thanks for the time uh, coming out of the weekend here on the David Glenn Show. Okay, thanks. Good to be with you, my friend. Right back at you. Brad Brownell on Twitter. It's Coach underscore Brownell on Twitter. Quick fix to that, Coach underscore Brownell. Two years ago, seriously, one of the best seasons in the history of the Clemson basketball Tigers. You make the Sweet 16 at that school. Remember, that's a school that still never won the ACC men's basketball tournament. And they were an original member back in the early 1950s. Most of the, well, all of the other schools that have not yet won one are relative newcomers. The Clemson basketball Tigers, not only, we didn't even mention it because he joined us when it happened, but this year, not only does Clemson now have wins over top seven Duke, top seven at the time, Louisville, top seven this weekend, Florida State, they, of course, ended the forever streak in Chapel Hill. They went to the Smith Center and beat the Tar Heels. So it is, in some ways, just a little bit above average, right? 15 wins, 13 losses, 9-9 and in conference play, the Clemson Tigers. In other ways, if you're putting up three wins over top seven opponents for the first time since 1980 in the history of your program, and you end the forever streak in Chapel Hill that dated to, like, the 1920s or something— Uh, That's not just a slightly above average season. We'll see what the Tigers have left this week at Virginia Tech Wednesday, hosting Georgia Tech on Friday. If you win both of those, you're 17 and 13, you're 11 and 9 in conference play, and then I think you're really in the bubble conversation. I don't think they're there quite yet. In the ACC, of course, you have Florida State projected by many as a two seed right now. You have Duke and Louisville projected by many as three seeds right now. Virginia is in that nine seed range right now. NC State is squarely on the bubble among the first few outs. Joe Lenardi has them the first team out. Outside of that, I don't think Clemson is quite knocking on the door, but they took a big step in the right direction with that win over Florida State. Judged by big wins, of course, the Tigers have an outstanding resume now that they have beaten the big three of the ACC, Duke and Louisville, and on Saturday, the Florida State Seminoles. Back to your best and worst of the weekend. Phone calls on the other side, 1-800-849-2761. Joe Person is going to join us in our third hour from The Athletic Carolina. He spent much of last week in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine, talked with the Panthers' new coach, Matt Rule, talked with some former Baylor players about Matt Rule and many of his assistant coaches, and, of course, covered the prospects from our backyard and elsewhere that are in the process of making that leap to the NFL. He and his colleagues at The Athletic found some fascinating nuggets about the future of the Panthers. As many of the familiar faces are gone, 
and some of those remaining may be on the move as well. More on those stories with Joe Person when he drops by to start hour number three. You want to be next? What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe this weekend, and what made it that? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe this weekend, and what made it that? We have examples from the hockey, soccer, golf, NASCAR, NBA, NFL, and of course a whole lot of college basketball from those worlds and more. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can join us next on the David Glenn Show. I would never be so competitive, so childish, that I would actually keep track of my record as a coach in youth soccer. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So when I think about my 78 wins, two losses, and four <laughs> ties, not that I was keeping track or anything. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We are between guests. That means a great time for your best and worst of the weekend phone calls. We have some questions of the day for your consideration as well. Joe Person of the Athletic Carolina will be with us in less than 30 minutes. He was at Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. He caught up with Panthers head coach Matt Rule, among many, many others question for Panthers fans if you were in charge of that franchise would you trade Christian McCaffrey if the price was right Matt Rule said no option is off the table as the Panthers have said goodbye to so many other familiar faces as they're still not sure where Cam Newton fits into the picture if you're in rebuilding mode of course perhaps trading even a productive popular player for enough in return fits the master plan it would be hard to say goodbye to a talented young guy who does all the right things on and off the field for the Panthers just some off-season fun as NFL players are voting as we speak on the new collective bargaining agreement all it takes is one more yes note than no vote among the 2,000 plus members of the NFL Players Association the owners have agreed the players reps the player reps have spoken some of the big names have said they're voting no Aaron Rodgers Russell Wilson J.J. Watt and others but the executive director of the NFLPA, DeMar Smith, has already been quoted saying he thinks it is going to pass. That would mean 11 more years of labor peace for fans of the most popular sport in America. Marty wants to keep the best and worst of the weekend phone calls going. We have had examples, many from college hoops, some from the NBA, where the question of the day is, do you share LeBron James's excitement over the next generation of NBA players? Or are your favorite guys all over 30? Zion went out of his way to praise Ja Morant of Memphis after the Grizzlies beat the Lakers on Saturday and then went out of his way to praise 19-year-old Zion Williamson of New Orleans after the Lakers beat the Pelicans last night. LeBron and Zion chatted, briefly embraced at half court after the game. Uh, according to LeBron, they had never spoken in person until this weekend. You know, thanks to our buddy like Lavelle Moten at NC Central, it just feels like everybody knows everybody in the NBA. Zion, prominent number one overall pick out of Duke. Back in the day, of course, LeBron, number one overall straight out of high school when the rules allowed for such things. Did not know that they had never met face-to-face -face until they played each other last night. Zion with a career-high 35 for the Pelicans in a losing effort. LeBron James sensational as usual for the Lakers. A triple-double in New Orleans. 34 points, 13 assists, 12 rebounds. When I look around the NBA, many of my favorite players are over 30, including LeBron. It's a league where I'm more likely to tune in because of a guy than because of a team. And in every other sport, I'm looking for team matchups most of the time. 
and I love hockey. I'm not watching unless it's Team A versus Team B, and I'm at least very interested in one of the two. College basketball, same thing. I'm not looking at players as much as I look at teams. Is it a good matchup? Well, I'll be watching Wolfpack at Blue Devils tonight because I'm interested in both teams. But I might catch a Kansas game, a Baylor game, a Gonzaga game because I'm interested in the team, not as much in college because I'm interested in a star player. Why do I tune into the NBA? Why were the Hornets worth watching this weekend? Not because they're the Hornets. All due respect. I mean, James Borrego's a good coach. He just hasn't had enough to work with. With Kemba Walker in Boston nowadays, there's not really a superstar player, all due respect to Devontae Graham and his breakout season for the Hornets. But when Giannis Antetokounmpo brings the 52-8 and Milwaukee Bucks to town, well, yeah, it's worth ch checking in on how the Hornets are doing against the greatest player in the NBA right now. I'm holding out that maybe LeBron can challenge Giannis for MVP status. The Lakers, again, are not a great team when LeBron goes to the bench. Giannis is the best player statistically and maybe even according to the eyeball test in the NBA. But the Bucs are still a dominant team when he sits on the bench statistically. The Lakers go from great to mediocre when LeBron goes to the bench. That sounds like MVP-ish to me. But Giannis, wherever you think he is, 1A, 1B, he's near the top of that chain, best in the world. He had 41 points and 20 rebounds at the Hornets. In the NBA, I look for star power players more than I look at even the best teams, at least until the playoffs arrive. Then I'm looking at matchups, and even as somebody who follows college basketball more closely than I follow the NBA, I'm not going to watch much of the first round of the NBA playoffs when we all know who's going to win unless I want to see a star player. What if it were Zion and the Pelicans as an eight seed against pick your favorite Lakers and LeBron with Anthony Davis as the one or Kawhi and Paul George and the Clippers if they somehow got a number one I mean that's worth tuning into LeBron versus Zion last night was fantastic to watch basketball they sell themselves and market themselves differently in the NBA and understandably so when I look around yes most of my players are older or my favorites are older guys but I can see an under-20 crowd that includes Zion Williamson and certainly an under-25 crowd, man. Tw I'll put it this way. 21 years old or younger. I don't know when all their birthdays are, but as we come to your best and worst of the weekend calls, 1-800-849-2761. On opening night this season, Jason Tatum, formerly of Duke, now with the breakout year with the Boston Celtics, was only 21 years old. Luka Doncic of the Mavericks, on opening night, only 21 years old. Zion, of course, is still 19. Marvin Bagley III of Duke was no older than 21 years old on opening night. Zion's teammate with the Pelicans, Lonzo Ball, formerly of the Lakers, 21 years old on opening night. Uh, De'Aaron Fox of Sacramento, Jaron Jackson of Memphis, and a couple of others, you know, all of those guys, Brandon Ingram's only 22, uh, first-time All-Star from Kinston via Duke, now also with the Pelicans. I mean, that's a lot of young talent, and I didn't even name anybody over 22 years old. 1-800-849-2761. Marty in North Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, David. How you doing? Doing great. What's on your mind? Hey, man. Best of the weekend. Three teams. NC State. 
North Carolina and Wake Forest, and they all coincide together. Yeah, man. Re- when when's the last time you could pick those, pick all three of those teams as the best of the weekend this year in college basketball? I'm not sure if there's been another time because of the Deeks and the Heels struggles this year. Yeah, absolutely. And and the reason for that for me, uh, I'm an NC State fan, and I love NC State more than I hate Carolina or Wake. So with them winning, with uh, Carolina beating Syracuse and Wake beating Notre Dame. That put state primarily in fifth place. On top of that, that's uh-huh. tied up. And I see. so, uh, if they can win out, then we'll be in fifth place. Which even more important, it will not put us in seventh. Where we would have to play Carolina if Carolina was to win Tuesday night. Did so you see what, what Marty did for. there? And, and by the way, Marty, how many of your friends would also say that I love NC State even more than I hate? you know, fill in the blank, some other school. Because to me, like, that's the healthy way to look at the world. It's all right if you dislike somebody. But if you get to the point where you hate somebody else as much as you love your favorite team, I've always found that to be kind of a weird, unhealthy view of the universe. Do you feel most people look at it your way? Because this is a very healthy phone call. My Wolfpack won. And the Deeks win and the Tar Heels win actually helped the Wolfpack resume in other ways, their place in the standings, et cetera. Do you feel the majority views it the way you do? Uh, probably not state fans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The, I've been at this for 30 years. I'm not, I don't claim to know the answer, but you might be right. Other fan bases maybe, state fans maybe not so much. Marty has it going the right way. Thanks for listening and contributing today here on the David Glenn Show. Uh, Manny Bates, Jericho Helms, DJ Funderburk all came up big against Pitt when the Wolfpack guards were struggling. You all know the deal tonight. Those guards are going to have to be better. You can beat Pitt with your big guys carrying the freight. You can't beat Duke without all hands on deck. That's what you had at PNC Arena when it was Wolfpack over Blue Devils by 22. Now Duke is at home. Now Duke is angry, having lost three of four. Probably Coach K is going to mention getting your heads handed to you by 22 at NC State and a whole lot of excited Wolfpack fans rushing the court and the celebration at your expense. Duke, when wounded and painted into a corner and at home, tends to be that much more ferocious. The Wolfpack is going to have to match that intensity in front of the Cameron Crazies to have any chance of pulling off the season sweep. It is your 7 o'clock game on ESPN. You can be next with your best or worst of the weekend. 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30. The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome and I loved it. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. to the David Glenn Show. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. Your questions, your comments, your complaints, your answers to our questions of the day are all welcome. We're going to go to football in about 10 minutes with Joe Person. He spent much of the last week up in Indianapolis talking with Panthers head coach Matt Rule, interviewing a lot of players, including those from our backyard who were there trying to make that next step to the National Football League. We're talking NBA. We're talking college basketball. We have other examples in our best and worst of the weekend balloting all over the sports world. Golf, NASCAR, soccer, hockey, a lot of college hoops, a lot of NBA. You can chime in if you like with your best or worst 
worst of the weekend. What was the best thing you saw since we were last together on Friday afternoon, and why? What was the worst thing you saw? The Duke Blue Devils and the Carolina Hur Hurricanes both losing more often than not lately. The worst of the weekend leading vote-getters, although in very different circumstances as I see them. Duke gets a chance to get that losing taste out of its mouth after falling 52-50 to at UVA. No embarrassment there. But having lost three of their last four, all to unranked at the time opponents at NC State, at Wake Forest, at UVA, the Blue Devils are back home tonight, 7 o'clock ESPN. Trey Jones and Vernon Carey Jr., when they get help, the Blue Devils are one of the toughest teams in the country to beat. When they don't get help, they could lose to anybody. That happened again. Again, no embarrassment to fall at JPJ up in Charlottesville. The Cavaliers just entered the national top 25 rankings at number 22. They need more though not just tonight but in the bigger picture from freshman Cassius Stanley and Matthew Hurt and Wendell Moore Jr. those guys have it in them we've seen it from them even in big games especially Cassius Stanley not as much in some other big games from any of those three true freshmen beyond the star big fella Vernon Carey Jr. who had 17 points 10 rebounds and three blocked shots in that close call at UVA Wolfpack of course seeking the season sweep of the Blue Devils most of the big money and big uh, opinions are on the Blue Devils side revenge in the minds of Duke in front of the Cameron crazies on national TV 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program whereas the Carolina Hurricanes were also with Duke on the worst of the weekend list keep in mind that the St. Louis Blues, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Philadelphia Flyers, most importantly the latter of those three, are among the hottest teams in hockey. The Blues have won seven straight, the Avalanche six straight, the Flyers six straight. Why does that matter? Well, the Flyers are one of those teams the Canes are battling for playoff position. If you're struggling Duke, you know you're making the NCAA tournament, and you know that you still have a little bit of time to get the train back on the tracks. You know that at your best, you can beat anybody in the country. You can't say the same things about the struggling Carolina Hurricanes. They don't know they're in their playoff bracket. And when teams like the Flyers, in their own division, in their same conference, win six straight, and you, the Canes, are in the process of losing four out of five, and these two play each other on Thursday night, part of the six-game, two-week road trip for Carolina, is the second game of that six-game road trip. It's at Philly on Thursday. I think the Flyers have a game between now and then. But you need to get out of your rut against a team that has won six straight games. And every one of these head-to-head -head matchups, folks, we're past the three-quarter pole of the NHL regular season. Depending on your favorite team, there's anywhere from 17, 18, 20 games left in the regular season. 82-game regular season in that particular sport. So the Canes lose at home to Colorado on Friday night. They lose in overtime at Montreal on Saturday night. They've lost four of their last five overall. And, oh, by the way, the Capitals aren't going to be caught. The Flyers have won so much lately, they're actually in second place now. The Penguins have dropped to third. And you're running out of playoff spots very quickly as you're missing both goaltenders, as you're missing Dougie Hamilton and Brett Pesci, also with injuries to your top three defensemen. The Blue Devils are struggling, but in great position overall. The Canes are struggling and in a precarious position overall. It's always harder to win on the road, and that is where the Canes play their next five before returning home to the more comfy and friendly confines of PNC Arena. Joe Person. 
has been all over the NFL Combine. Talked with Matt Rule. He's next on the David Glenn Show. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.